Well, let me tell you of the story of a man named Charlie on a tragic and fateful day. Welcome to the Codcast. My name is Bruce Mole from Commonwealth Magazine. I'm joined today by Eileen McEnany, the president of the Massachusetts Taxpayers Foundation and the co-chair of the Fix RT Coalition. My other guest is Rafael Maris, vice president of the Conservation Law Foundation. Our focus today is the MBTA, one year after Governor Charlie Baker appointed an oversight board to launch a turnaround at the T. Baker on Wednesday painted a picture of, a, of an agency that is poorly managed, wasteful, and living in the past. He said it didn't need additional funding. He praised new managers at the T and the five volunteers serving on the Fiscal Management and Control Board, but acknowledged a turnaround will take years to accomplish. Let's start with you, Eileen. The Fix RT Coalition just issued a one-year evaluation. What did it say? Well, it said that the Fiscal and Management Control Board has made some great progress, but it's certainly not enough that there's lots of work to be done um, in all areas and all aspects of the MBTA. So we, we just wanted to highlight the fact that the control board has been in place for a year because we were very instrumental in its creation. We advocated for that because we felt strongly that in order to actually fix the T, I won't say once and for all, but meaningfully, um, it's, it's something was going to have to be different. And so we thought having this control board, which I often um, compare to a SWAT team, they're coming in, they're looking at all aspects, they're trying to stabilize the organization and do it in relatively short order. So we advocated for that. We wanted to measure their progress after a year. And, and I think they've um, done a great job as far as they've gone. Raphael, you've, you've been a lot at a lot of these meetings of the board. What's your take on them a year into their operation? Well, first of all, I would say that it, it's great that they're paying so much attention to the T. These are supposed to be, by law, three meetings a month, and the Fiscal Management Control Board has met 52 times over the last year. That's an average of once a week. Um, I also regret that because it means I have to spend a lot of time there. But the reality is that by doing that, they can cover a lot more topics. The previous uh, board met once a month, and they may have taken off August, so you can imagine uh, how much work could be done during that time period in comparison. Um, it also has the added benefit that a lot of the issues are aired once a week um, and, and, and have the potential of having the public involved in some of the details. So we really do appreciate that and the good work that the members of the Fiscal Management Control Board um, have done. Is the work done? Absolutely not, and I think they would agree with that. Um, what matters is the experience on the ground. If you're a writer of uh, the T, what's your experience? And quite frankly, it hasn't changed much um, yet. And some of that is to be expected because it takes time for investments to take hold. Um, and so um, we're, we're definitely not there yet, and there's a lot of work ahead. I'm, I'm sort of amazed sitting in a lot of these meetings how the board just keeps lifting up a rock and finds problems just about everywhere. And as you said, they Raphael, they're, they're dealing with a lot of topics every week, and I, I frankly have never seen anything quite like it, uh, where they're, they're struggling with pretty big problems uh, on, a, on a weekly basis. And, and they don't make huge decisions every week, but they're struggling with how to, how to approach it. Um, and, and I guess you do, you do say they're doing a good job in that respect, but you wonder how much they've just been turning over those rocks instead of 
actually fixing what's there. Well, the members of the Fiscal Management Control Board can't be the ones fixing the problems. They have to be the ones leading the organization and identifying the problems at times. Quite frankly, the staff also has to identify the problems, and that's what frequently happens. But ultimately, the work has to be done on the ground. And um, so somebody like the chief administrator, who's also the general manager now, has to implement uh, that. But by having to report once a week on various issues, it does put a focus on, on what work needs to be accomplished. We can't expect it to all be done. I agree with the governor on, on that. It takes time. Um, but we also need to put this in perspective. I think that um, we don't want to blow out of proportion what the challenges are here. They're serious challenges and they have to be addressed, but it's not the whole problem that the T has. And I think that where we disagree with the governor is that there, are, there has been a funding issue for a long time. And some of the problems that we see here are as a result of um, underfunding of the T over the years. That does seem to be a fundamental issue. Uh, he's sort of saying, and Secretary Pollack, who used to work at your organization, says we need to fix things before we can even think about new revenue. And the governor this week sort of even said, I'm not even sure we're going to need new revenue then. You, you disagree. Yeah, I think that, I mean, it's an ironic thing to say when the same administration was telling people that there's no choice and we have to increase fares by 10%. So they, they fought not only for a fare increase, but they fought for one that was larger than what the legislature had at least intended to pass, which was a 5% increase every other year. And they said, we have no choice, we need that money. And then to turn around and say that he doesn't have a funding issue and doesn't need any money is not going to be well received uh, on the streets of Boston. Um, that can't be true, and there are significant financial challenges. Is it also true that the T needs to, the management of the T and, and how it's run and the details need to be improved? Absolutely. I think we're sort of in the end camp. Both need to be done. Um, and the governor seems to sort of want to deny the, the, the inevitable, um, and I can only hope that he will get around to it when the time comes to realize that in addition to the reforms that are being implemented, revenue will also be necessary. Well, you know, and, and I have a different perspective on, on that, certainly. And while the Mass Taxpayers Foundation um, isn't saying that new revenue may not be necessary for the T, um, I, I don't think it's necessary in the short term because we've seen that the, the T currently can't spend the, the capital allocation for investments, right? They're not able to get the money out the door. They don't have the talent. They don't have the processes. They don't have the data. And, and so, um, you know, it, it's not right now their biggest challenge isn't revenue. And what I would say is this. I mean, we have increased the revenue for the MBTA um, twice in, in, in recent years, right? So um, I have a statistic which you know, it's interesting. So it says state revenues have increased by about 28% since fiscal year 08. In the funding to the MBTA, the support has gone up by 55%. So what essentially it's saying is that the T is taking up um, a greater percentage of the state budget, right? And if you look at it from a macro level, right, there's not a lot of wiggle room in the state budget. We know we, we just, you know, um, uncovered a sizable deficit projected for fiscal year 17. So I, I think at some point, um, you know, the T does have to live within its means, right? And, and when you talk about revenue, right now there are two places where the T can get revenue. It's from the people who ride it every day or the taxpayers, either through the state budget, through um, dedicated sales tax revenue, or through 
local taxpayers, property owners through municipal assessments, right? And so um, they're trying to increase what's called their own source revenue, things like advertising, making the most of real estate, that, that type of thing. But at the end of the day, I, you know, I, I think um, that is the reality right now that their, their revenue um, is somewhat constrained. And so it's incumbent upon them to reduce expenses. And the good news is um, they've been able to do that you know, considerably in the first year, and there's a lot more room for improvement. So I think that's where you have to start. But even in your report, you, you, you say that, but then you say in the coming year, the tone is they're not going to be able to do it. Um, they've got expenses piling up on them, even as their revenues are growing at a much lower pace. You don't answer what should be done, but I guess you're sort of saying, let's cut further somewhere else. Uh, well, I, I think that we've seen that there's lots of opportunity for improvements, right, and for efficiency and revenue collection. I think, um, you know, automating the revenue collection, enhancing and improving the, the cash, um, the, the money room and so forth to make sure that we're actually retaining all the money that, that is collected. I mean, there are lots of areas for improvement. And, and I think the, the good news, and I would agree with Raphael about, you know, one of the advantages of having the frequent meetings in the bright light is we're uncovering a lot of these things. And it does provide us with an opportunity to address them. And they haven't been before. And I think that that is um, kind of the critical first step is to identify all the problems and they continue to do so. So we, we haven't revealed all of them yet. But then um, in, in tackling all of those. I think that that is, um, is just necessary for the long-term sustainability. We can't keep putting more money if we don't have processes in place to make sure it's actually being spent appropriately. Just want to address the, the number, Eileen, that you throw out there. I mean, of course, the, um, the revenue that was given to the T has increased significantly since 2008 because it was part of an effort to try to address the years or decades of underfunding, really. Um, I do agree with you that we have a real challenge with the state of good repair backlog, which is huge and needs to be addressed. And the fact that the T has not been able to put out enough projects, you know, put out enough money to fund, you know, the state of good repair backlog, and that it has not just been a function of lack of money, but has really been also a function of the lack of capacity within the organization to supervise the projects. That needs to be addressed first, in my opinion. That, and I don't mean we should wait for revenue. I mean that is the biggest challenge. We're focusing on many details, and they should all be addressed. But without the capacity within the T to hire the people that can invest in the system and can fix the, the, the physical challenges that it experiences, we're never going to get anywhere where the public is actually going to notice a difference. So I think that is definitely a bottleneck that needs to be addressed right away. Um. Let's talk a little bit about Baker. He, he got up in front of the press on Wednesday and read this very long, pretty detailed statement about the tea. Um, I was struck quite a bit about a governor doing this, and I wondered if you two might address this notion of a governor. I mean, he probably had a couple motivations for doing this, but I wanted to get your thoughts about what he was trying to accomplish with this you know, press conference focused exclusively on the T. Well, I, I would say, I mean, I think, you know, God bless them, I guess, in the first instance for trying to take this issue, you know, head on, right? Because 
um, it, it's pretty intractable. It's deeply in, entrenched, and it's, it's um, it, you know, it remains to be seen whether or not he's going to be able to make sufficient progress, certainly in his term. But I, I guess I want to give him credit for trying, right? So I, I think in the first instance, that's um, important. And, you know, whether the governor wants to or not, he will be associated with the MBTA. It, it was the biggest, you know, issue very early on in his tenure, right? That the T comes to a grinding halt and, and then, you know, all of these issues are, um, are brought to the forefront and, and we shine a bright light on him. And so I, I think, you know, he has some ownership of this and, and I think um, he's probably trying to manage expectations a little bit because I, I think he realizes how how um, I don't want to say insurmountable, but but how challenging the series of you know problems they face yeah. really are. How about you, Raphael? I think the MBT is a really important uh, you know economic driver for the Commonwealth, not just the Boston area. And uh, I, I think it's appropriate for a governor to be involved in the details when you have a situation where at the beginning of his term the uh, as a result of a, of a, of a really hard winter, uh, the system is essentially shut down for a period of time. And so um, I really appreciate that he's in the details and that he's focused on this. And, uh, and that's really the only way this is going to get done. We could disagree about some of the details, but um, we, we shouldn't disagree about the importance of the MBTA. And, uh, and, and that's what I take out of that. Have you seen a governor do take this approach in, in a long time? Um, I, I don't think so. Yeah. Not in, in that sense. No, definitely not on this topic. I would say maybe yeah. on other topics, but not definitely not on on this topic. There has been a focus on transportation for a while, but but in general, it has never um, resulted in the completion of the task. It's always been uh, referred to as half a loaf. You know, the Transportation Finance Act of 2013 really helped and raised a lot of money. And if you look around the country, it is cited as an example of a state doing something good for its transportation system finally which because this is a national problem we should understand that this is not just about right. the T this is not just about the, the transportation system as a whole in Massachusetts this is a nationwide uh, problem that we have but even at the time of passage of that act the people that passed that law said that they're not attempting to solve the whole problem with that piece of legislation that they were essentially solving about half of that problem at the time and so um, you know, we need to keep working on it, and it's great to see that the governor recognizes the importance of the T in our transportation system. So, um, during his press conference, I got it, into it with him a little bit about the issue of South Coast Rail, because he painted this picture of an agency that's poorly led, horribly managed, and sort of stretched to the limits to try and correct all the problems it faces. And yet, and I think you pointed this out in your report, they're trying to do a Green Line extension. They're trying to do South Coast Rail, and there's even pressure to sort of talk about a North-South Rail link between connecting North Station and South Station. Now, all these things are great, but is, does it stretch the agency too thin to be talking about, I mean, it, well, that's, that, I guess that's what I'm curious so about. So these projects can be handled by MassDOT. They don't have to be handled by the MBTA is the first thing I would say. And about South Coast Rail, I, I'm not sure that's an area of inconsistency because the alternative proposal that, that was put forth by the administration requires the building of a 
four-track tunnel under um, I-93. Two tracks for the red line and two tracks for the commuter rail. Um, that strikes me as a much more difficult project than the, the original South Coast Rail project that was proposed. So I'm, I'm not convinced that, that that's really the deciding issue here um, for the administration. So the, the solution is to not put it all on the T for the planning and, uh, and, and implementation of the construction of that, those projects. We have to decide as a region what projects we need and what projects we don't need and how important they are. And the idea that um, you stop planning and pursuing a project means that if you pick up five years from now, it will take X number of years before you actually see a change on the ground because each of these construction projects requires design and planning and funding and then the actual construction of the project. The Green Line has been in the works for decades. Some will tell you that in the early 1900s is when the idea was cooked. But even if we go back, you know, you know, 12 years, 20 years, you know, like depending on where you draw the line. This has been in the works for a really long time. We turn around and we don't do that now, we're just starting from scratch. And as a region, we will be left behind if we don't have a transit system that we need. But do they have the bandwidth to do that? Well, it doesn't have to be the T. It has to be MASTA to do it. And they, that's one of the priorities, I think, and that's something this administration should be able to achieve, is to hire the right people to be able to do, to do this work. In the Green Line context, um, Jack Wright and other consultants pointed out that they need to hire somebody of a certain ability and experience and scale to be able to manage that project and they will do a lot better if they do that. Even if you have private contractors building the Green Line, somebody internally, either at Mastered or the T, needs to manage that project. And those people need to be able to communicate and be up to speed in order to be able to manage a project that private contractors build. And uh, that's what's lacking. Well, I, I do think that there is a bandwidth issue here. And, and while I certainly agree with Raphael that in an ideal world, we would be planning because these projects do take a lot of time and, and we want a 21st century um, transportation system. But uh, I think uh, the first priority has to be on making sure that the core system functions because that moves mm. lots of people. I think a million people. Um, 1.3. 1.3. So we have to get that right. And, and, and there's a lot of work and a lot of focus that needs to be brought to bear on the core system. So I'm not saying we shouldn't consider long-term projects, but I think priority number one has to be fixing the core yeah, system. And I think what you hear might be just a subtle difference is we think that the, the state of good repair of the current system needs to be addressed, and we believe that you can't postpone the, the important uh, um, expansion projects because if you, if you, while you're fixing the state of good repair, are not planning those, are not designing those, are not building those, you will be left behind because they take so long. So we think it should happen at the same time. It clearly is a priority to get the current system in place, but not at the expense of expansion, but, you know, together. How do you guys think it got so bad at the T? I believe that it's, it is financial pressures over time. And so when you have too little money, you, you have to um, cut corners. And there were a lot of corners that were cut. And it shows up in, in big places and in small places. The big place it shows up is the infrastructure that has been neglected. When you don't have money and you, you don't want to cut service, you delay repairs. And as you delay them, not only do they pile up, they actually get more expensive. A little bit of you know, maintenance as you go along will, will actually save you money. And the T couldn't afford to do that, so they didn't. And I've tracked sort of the budgets and how they were balanced over time. They begged and, and had to steal in order to make it work. They are required to have a balanced budget. 
And so that's, you know, that's, that's the, the big picture is the state of good repair backlog. The small picture is all the little things that are coming out that are not working in terms of management right now that, are, that have been neglected because management has been focused on trying to balance a budget with little money they have rather than looking at the details. Um, and and that's, that's how we ended up in this terrible place. I mean, I don't disagree. Certainly, Raphael has a longer history um, studying the, these issues. But I will say, I, I think that there has been a lack of accountability. Um, and, and I think what has happened, there's certainly been, you know, a good faith effort in, in what typically has happened. Um, and, and Raphael, you pointed out, is the lack of follow through. So we've seen reforms to the MBTA over the years, numerous ones. Um, and, and then I think you know, those changes are implemented and then there isn't a period where we go back and we review or we have some kind of metrics or some goals that we're trying to reach and everyone tries to make sure that we actually did. And so, um, again, I would just say I think one of the differences this time around is the fact that there is a lot of public attention in, in um, you know, all of the issues are now out in the public domain. And so it's going to be tougher to not follow through and to make sure that we address them because um, now we know about them. And, and so I think that that is a critical difference. And is, is this approach with having a volunteer board sort of keeping the spotlight on the problems, is that something that should we be made permanent or is this just an emergency thing that should go away after three years? It's four conceived years? as is jump-starting this process, not necessarily finishing, and, and it has a certain number of years, three on it, with the potential of an extension of two years, and it's for that purpose only. I don't know that that kind of attention can be maintained for the life of the MBTA, but the idea is that if you address all the issues that have been neglected over that time period, you leave the team a better place, and then you can go to a meeting schedule that is more reasonable. <laughs> right, and certainly the folks that are serving on the control board volunteer and yes. I think that that's really yes. important for people to know it's a Herculean effort and they're not getting paid for it they all have day jobs that they're responsible for as well so I, I don't think that um, we could continue with this structure certainly as it currently is is configured um, I do think it raises the question though whether you need a structure where um, where there is more accountability and, and where there are more frequent meetings, certainly once a month for a board to meet is not enough time, just given the complexity of the organization and, and the amount of challenges they face. So I, I think that is also a priority and something that has to be decided in the relatively short term because they need a general manager, right? And, and so in order to attract someone and to get a high caliber individual to come and take on you know, all of the challenges confronting the MBTA, um, it, it's important that they would know what their reporting structure is, right? I mean, so, you know, it, it's all kind of interrelated and, and um, one impacts the other, but I think we have to get started on trying to develop some kind of permanent oversight structure that will, um, that will work and, and um, definitely have more focus and, and more frequent meetings. Well, it sounds like we'll be back here talking about this in the not-too-distant future. Thanks to our guests, Rafael Meres of the Conservation Law Foundation and Eileen McEnany of the Fix, Fix RT Coalition. And thanks to Aaron Van Leesten, our producer. You can subscribe to the podcast on SoundCloud and iTunes. Catch you next time. Well, let me tell you of the story of a man named Charlie on a tragic and fateful day. He 
put ten cents in his pocket Kissed his wife and family Went to ride on the MTA Well, did he ever return? No, he never returned And his fate is still unlearned He may ride forever Neath the streets of Boston He 